In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Out of a concern for the vulnerable among us and out of a love for our neighbor, we have suspended in-person worship service to do our part to prevent the spread of the virus that is ravaging our state and our nation. We are glad to be back Uh, recording as usual this week. Uh, Last week we were were blessed by the the technology that we have available to us that uh, we could be in lots of different places and still be able uh, to bring worship to you. Um, But but I am definitely glad that life has a little bit of normalcy. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot is the normalcy that we all crave. And when, uh, when, as we watched evacuation orders expand in Oregon and as we watched uh, the wildfires rage, uh, it all seemed so surreal. And then we went back to what we thought had, what, what had come to feel normal, even though it's still a far cry from life prior to the month of March, But at the same time, there's a certain blessing that God gives us in that we adjust and adapt and learn to seek God at whatever point we are in life. And wherever we go, Christ is present because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto Jesus. And so wherever we live our lives, Wherever we live our our normal or weird or surreal or mundane lives, we live them in the presence and lordship of Christ, and we live them with the blessing of God as stewards and caretakers of God's creation. Just a couple of notes for you this morning. Um, We had started a few weeks ago with the idea of one church, one book, and we were going to read uh, the book. We were going to get together in small groups, uh, physically distanced with precautions, uh, and read the book and discuss uh, The Lord and His Prayer by N.T. Wright. And I was going to preach sermons based on the Lord's Prayer, and we were going to say the Lord's Prayer together. And due to air quality and the fact that we've been delayed a few weeks by circumstances broadly beyond our control, we're going to put one church, one book uh, on hold until the spring. But here, here are three suggestions for you. One, go ahead and read the book now. It, it's a good book. It's, I don't feel like it's a terrifically difficult read. The chapters are short. And go ahead and read the book now and then put it on your bookshelf And then when it comes around in the spring, take it back out and read it again. Uh, I find a lot of times that if if there are books like this that are are simple and easy to read but are full of deep, rich thoughts, that they kind of hit me different at different points in my life. And you may notice something in the spring that you're not noticing now, and you may carry something from now into the spring uh, that the Lord has need to use in your life. So go ahead and read the book now. Another thing I would suggest that you do is to go ahead and pray the Lord's Prayer. If you pray it once a day, I think that's fantastic. But from at least the second century of our our common era, Christians have been praying, have been recommended uh, to pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. There was a book in the second century called the Didache, and it was a a manual of Christian worship and practice that the early church had had kind of assembled. And it recommended praying the Lord's Prayer three times a day. And so breakfast, lunch, and dinner, morning, noon, and evening, uh, all seem like good ways to to do that if you want to pray that three times a day. And the Lord's Prayer, as, as I said a couple of weeks ago, is a formational prayer. It forms us into people whose priorities are the priorities of Jesus, whose lives are reliant on God's goodness, and who, whose lives look like people who are living out God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. 
So those are just a couple of suggestions for you in light of that. We will get back around to One Church, One Book, I promise you. I'm not going to give up on it, uh, but we're, we're just going to set it aside for the time being. Another note, we had advertised in the September newsletter the idea of Bring Your Own Coffee, BYOC, where... Uh, Melissa and or myself would come over to your house and sit outside and drink coffee. And while the air quality index was rated as hazardous or very unhealthy or just simply unhealthy, it didn't seem like the best idea to be sitting outside and drinking coffee. And so uh, we we will pick this back up. We will be rescheduling or scheduling some more of these bring your own coffee times uh, as the, the weather seems favorable and the air seems palatable. We do want to continue praying for those who have been affected by the wildfires, those who have lost everything, those who have lost their lives, those who have lost family members. We want to continue to pray for the firefighters, and we want to pray for uh, favorable weather conditions that will help them put out their fires. We also want to be praying for you, and if there's any way that we can serve you, any way that we can be there for you, please don't hesitate to call or email the church, and we'll get back with you. Uh, We would love to talk to you and minister to you. We hope you are doing well, and we pray that as we worship together this morning via podcast, that you would have a strong sense of the Holy Spirit's presence as we worship. sunrise the endless oceans the spinning planets all reveal their maker's power they shout his glory they shine his beauty their voices cry an invitation to us all they are summoning every soul This is a call to worship, let it echo all around the earth. This is a call to bow down and give God the glory He deserves. We have gathered to praise our Maker. To worship him, for we have heard the call. Let every nation and all creation join us worshiping the holy God of all. As we cry out to all of this world, cry out to all of this world. To worship, let it echo all around the earth. This is a call to bow down and give God the glory He deserves. This is a call to worship, let it echo all around the earth. This is a call to bow down and give God the glory He deserves. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we bow before you to acknowledge you as the God who created us and also the God who redeems us. We also proclaim that you are in the midst of all that happens around us. In the midst of all the pushing and shoving among us in the world and in the church, propelled by anxiety and acted as brutality. 
You have planted yourself in all your faithfulness. You have placed yourself among us in steadfastness and abiding care, present in the day, alert in the night, making us all safe and noticed and cared for. Show us your faithfulness as to curb our anxiety, as to restrain our brutality, as to overcome our alienation. By your faithfulness, renew us. Renew the church. Renew the city. Renew the world. Give us the safety to love you fully, to love our neighbor well, in glad obedience. To say the least, this has been a very trying time in many of our lives. We have been dealing with the coronavirus, then oppressive heat, and now raging forest fires and the smoke that has been hanging around to make the air unhealthy. Lord, I thank you for protecting many people from the horror of losing possibly their life or their property. Even though many were saved, there are others that have lost everything they owned. I pray for those who have currently been displaced or dispossessed of their homes or loved ones by the fires. I pray that they will receive the help that they so desperately need. Father, you see the need, and through the benevolence of those willing to help, many will receive that help. I pray a special blessing upon all of those volunteers who are giving of their time to help someone who is in distress. I pray for the firefighters who are putting their lives on the line to battle these fires. I ask for protection for each of them. Give them the strength and courage to fight these fires so they may return to their loved ones soon. Lord, you have sent the rain, which is a great aid in quenching those fires. We thank you for that. Lord, let us show the love of Jesus to those who are hurting during this time. Many in our church family have done that. Let us continue this even when the pandemic is over and the fires have been put out. Let us follow the lead of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we minister to our neighbors. I lift up to you the prayer requests of our church family. You know each request of our congregation and of our young church. I pray that each person's faith will remain strong as they are going through this difficult time in their life at this time. Help them to rely on the Holy Spirit to be their comforter during this time. Mission month is fast approaching. I pray for the missionaries that are in many countries around the world, proclaiming the good news of the gospel to those who desperately need to hear it. May we be generous with our support for them through our financial gifts and our prayers as they do the work they were called to do. And Lord, I bless our service as it goes out over the electronic airways. Be with our pastor as he brings a message from the book of Zechariah. Open our hearts and our ears to receive the words he has for us. And this I pray, amen. Hear the word of the Lord. Know, O people, the Lord has told you what is good and this is what he requires of you. To do justice. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. The Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. To love mercy. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. 
You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. The Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. To walk humbly with your God. O oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Be still in the presence of the Lord. Wait patiently for him to act. Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry, and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads, and there will be no night. There, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Our scripture reading for the morning comes from the book of Zechariah, chapter 8, and we'll be reading the whole chapter. If you need to press pause to find the book of Zechariah, uh, now would be the time to do that. But here is Zechariah, chapter 8, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Then another message came to me from the Lord of Heaven's armies. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. My love for Mount Zion is passionate and strong. I am consumed with passion for Jerusalem. And now the Lord says, I am returning to Mount Zion and I will live in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the faithful city. The mountain of the Lord of Heaven's armies will be called the holy mountain. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. Once again, old men and women will walk Jerusalem's streets with their canes and will sit together in the city squares. And the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls at play. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. All this may seem impossible to you now, a small remnant of God's people. But is it impossible for me, says the Lord of Heaven's armies? This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. You can be sure that I will rescue my people from the east and from the west. I will bring them home again to live safely in Jerusalem. They will be my people, and I will be faithful and just towards them as their God. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Be strong and finish the task. Ever since the laying of the foundation of the temple of the Lord of Heaven's armies, you have heard what the prophets have been saying about completing the building. Before the work on the temple began, there were no jobs and no money to hire people or animals. No traveler was safe from the enemy, for there were enemies on all sides. I had turned everyone against each other. But now I will not treat the remnant of my people as I treated them before, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. 
For I am planting seeds of peace and prosperity among you. The grapevines will be heavy with fruit. The earth will produce its crops and the heavens will release the dew. Once more, I will cause the remnant in Judah and Israel to inherit these blessings. Among the other nations, Judah and Israel became symbols of a cursed nation, but no longer. Now I will rescue you and make you both a symbol and a source of blessing. So don't be afraid, be strong, and get on with building the temple. For this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. I was determined to punish you when your ancestors angered me, and I did not change my mind, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. But now I am determined to bless Jerusalem and the people of Judah. So don't be afraid, but this is what you must do. Tell the truth to each other. Render verdicts in your courts that are just and lead to peace. Don't scheme against each other. Stop your love of telling lies that you swear are the truth. I hate all these things, says the Lord. Here is another message that came to me from the Lord of Heaven's armies. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. The traditional fasts and times of mourning you have kept in early summer, midsummer, autumn, and winter are now ended. They will become festivals of joy and celebration for the people of Judah. So love, truth, and peace. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. People from nations and cities around the world will travel to Jerusalem. The people of one city will say to the people of another, Come with us to Jerusalem to ask the Lord to bless us. Let's worship the Lord of Heaven's armies. I'm determined to go. Many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord of Heaven's armies and to ask for his blessing. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. In those days, ten men from different nations and languages of the world will all clutch at the sleeve of one Jew. And they will say, please let us walk with you, for we have heard that God is with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want you to imagine for a minute that you've had several years, that you've had maybe even a lifetime of being away from a place you knew as home. You knew it at one point, and then something happened and you had, needed to, you had been forced to go somewhere else. And we can imagine this, um, at least here in, in Oregon, um, because we know people who have had to flee from their homes. We know people who have, have had to pack up belongings and, and cherish things and changes of clothes and, and flee from imminent destruction. But fortunately for at least some people, uh, they're slowly starting to get to go back. But imagine if you had to be away from your home for a lifetime. And then you're to go back and you find out that what you knew as home had been destroyed. That the place that you lived was now kind of a rubble heap. As a result of generations of idolatry and sin and disloyalty to God, uh, the people of Israel and Judah had been pushed from their homes. They had been taken into captivity. Uh, the people of Judah especially, we, we know um, of their captivity from the prophet Jeremiah. Um, they were taken captive by the Babylonians. And then one thing led to another, and after about 70 years, after a period of time, they were enabled to come back. And they get there. And the people who had stayed behind, who largely were, were the poor and, and considered the more lower-class citizens of, of the society, they're scratching out a, a difficult existence in a, in a difficult place. And so the people from who had, had left Babylon came back and they saw that the temple was ruined, the city gates had been destroyed, and much of what they had loved about their home was gone. 
but they started the work of rebuilding the temple. Because the temple was where God dwelt amongst humanity. And in the book of Ezekiel, we see that because of the idolatry and because of the sin of the people, that the glory of the Lord left the temple. And the people wanted to rebuild the temple so that the glory of the Lord would return to the temple. But it was hard work. And when you have nothing, and when you're starting over with nothing, it's difficult work, isn't it? You don't have the luxury of playing in the streets. You don't have the luxury of enjoying a retirement because you have to start over. And this is very, this is what God's people faced when they came back from Babylon. And these are the people that Zechariah is prophesying to. Is he saying, I have a word from the Lord for those of you who are starting over. And I think it's worth listening to Zechariah in this passage because Zechariah has a lot to say to us right now because there has been a lot of things in our our world and in our lives at least in the past six months or so that has changed so much that we've, we've come up with phrases like the new normal to help us come to some sort of mental, like a, a way to wrap our mind around the rapid changes that have happened. But Zechariah is writing to people who are starting to rebuild the temple and he's giving them an image of what happens when God will, some, will at some point in the future again dwell amongst his people. He gives an image of a vibrant city. He gives an image of children who are at play in the streets, of elderly people who are walking around the streets and they have canes. <clears throat> and they have canes and they can... They can sit and relax with their canes at their sides, the men and women together, and they don't have to be afraid. Because as, I, as Zechariah is speaking these words, they didn't have that luxury. It was all hands on deck to rebuild. There were some people who had become so old in Babylon that they didn't have the strength to make it back. And there were some families who had children who thought it would be better for our children to be raised in Babylon in stability than to go try to scratch out a life in Jerusalem or in Judah. And so Zechariah is saying that with God present, things can be transformed. And that this may be your life now, but that God is going to be with you at some point in the future. That God is going to have his rule and his reign and his glory will be back in Jerusalem. The temple will be rebuilt and things will be right again. And he gives an image of not just children and, and elderly people, the most vulnerable of society, at peace and at rest, but he gives an image of overall human flourishing. Because if the fruit was back on the vines, if the, if the fields were producing, then the, the economy could be going and People could be doing useful work with their hands and they could be doing familiar things and not to be exploited, but that they could be doing these things so that they could earn an honest living, so that they could enjoy the things that they had produced. 
And he tells them of a time when they will no longer be seen by the world as people who are under a curse, but they, they will be a source of blessing for the nations, that cities, powerful nations, will come to Jerusalem to seek the blessing of God, that a Jew will hardly be able to be walking around without 10 people grabbing a hold of, of him or her and saying, please, take us, you know, let us come with you because we know that God is with you. It's a beautiful picture of what happens when God is present. And Zechariah says, get on with building the temple and get ready for this life to come and, and, and be manifested in reality. That this time is coming, he says. And as, as we read this scripture, we read it with the knowledge of Jesus. We know who Jesus is. We know what Jesus has done. Because Jesus, in Jesus, we have the fulfillment of all of God's promises and prophetic words to his people fulfilled in one man. Jesus was the fulfillment and is the fulfillment of God's promises. It's Jesus who takes on the form of the, of the suffering servant of Isaiah, who takes on this role that Israel was supposed to play in, in suffering for the sake of the world. It's Jesus who is the, the one who is, uh, who is crushed and beaten for our iniquities. It's Jesus who is God being present on earth. Jesus is a walking temple. Jesus is that connection point where heaven and earth, he is the human temple. And by his death and resurrection, it's proved that he is the Messiah, that he is the Holy One of God, that he is the one through whom all of these promises have been fulfilled. He has defeated sin and death, and ascended, he reigns over all of the earth. So when we read this passage, we can get excited because as we read what the Lord of Heaven's armies says over and over again that the Lord of Heaven's armies says this, and the Lord of Heaven's armies says that, and he makes the promises through the prophet Zechariah that he's going to be present with his people, that he loves Jerusalem, that he loves his people. We know this is fulfilled through Jesus. And now God's people is not, the, the idea of who God's people are is not just limited to the people we know in Scripture as the Israelites. We know that God's people is anyone for whom Jesus is Lord. And we know that God's kingdom that the rule and reign of Jesus is not just limited to Jerusalem, but that it stretches across the whole earth. <clears throat> and that a time is coming when the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. And so we, we know this is all true through Jesus. And we see these promises. But we also know that our lives don't yet look like Zechariah chapter 8. We know that there are problems in our, our towns and our cities. We know that there are problems in our world because we have seen the wildfires raging in Oregon. 
We have seen the wildfires raging in California and Nevada and Colorado and there are wildfires in South America and at the beginning of the year there were wildfires in Australia. We know that there are people who are loved and cherished by God but who have no place to live. We know there are people who are loved and cherished by God but who have no food to eat. We know there are people who are loved and cherished by God but they don't have access to adequate health care. We know there are elderly people who are cast into awful situations where they're abused and mistreated or because of economics they have to work long into their senior years. They don't get to wander around the city streets and sit in peace with their canes. We know there are children who do not have stable lives at home. We know there are children who worry about where their next meal is going to come from. And so while we recognize on one hand the Lordship of Christ, we also know that things are not yet as they ought to be. They are now, but they're not yet. Much like the people Zechariah was prophesying to, they had started building the temple. And they said that the, the, the building of the temple has begun, but it's not yet complete. And so these promises can get started, but they've not yet finished. They're not at their fullness. Much like we know the kingdom of God is here because we see it breaking out. We see it breaking out in forgiveness. We see it breaking out in love of other people. We see it breaking out when people stand up for truth against the lies that the world tells us. We see it when peace and love and love shown through self-sacrifice undermines the violence and coercion that worldly leaders use to enforce their power. But we also know that because of violence and coercion and hunger and homelessness and all of these other problems that we see in our world and wildfires and climate change, we know that the kingdom of God is not yet fully manifested on planet Earth. And so what do we do with a passage like Zechariah chapter 8? What do we do with a passage that says, here are all of these promises for when God is present among his people, but we don't yet see it all fulfilled? Because we know Jesus is present. We know Jesus is Lord over the whole earth. But what do we do with the fact that not everyone acknowledges the Lordship of Christ? Well, Zechariah fortunately gives us a few clues on how we ought to live in the meantime. One is he says to tell the truth and develop a love for the truth. And one of the problems that was occurring in Israel before uh, the exile was the courts were riddled with untruth, with people who were telling falsehoods about their neighbor. Uh, when, when court cases would be brought up, they relied heavily on eyewitness testimony because they didn't have forensic labs like we see on CSI and, and modern crime shows. And so if somebody told a mistruth about you, it could be the difference between your innocence and being thrown in prison, or worse. 
And so Zechariah encourages the people to be lovers of the truth and to be people who tell the truth. And I think something that's interesting in our world right now is there's a lot of discussion about truth. And there are a lot of, of people who are, who are playing fast and loose with the idea of truth. And in light of all of these people, we as followers of Jesus need to be people who are committed to telling the truth. And I don't just mean in the, the big grand scheme of like just being honest people. We need to have a love of the truth, of being people who are honest in our dealings, people who are trustworthy, people who may not always be liked for telling the truth, but people who are respected because we tell the truth. If you spend any amount of time on Facebook, there's a number of conspiracy theories that are floating around. And sadly, I think a lot of people who are followers of Jesus buy into these conspiracy theories, and there's all sorts of psychology as to why anybody, follower of Jesus or not, falls prey to a conspiracy theory. But as we, as we engage on social media, and as we hear these conspiracy theories, and as we watch the news, we need to be aware and attentive to speaking and telling the truth about our world, about our neighbors. And we need to listen as our neighbors speak so that we can tell the truth about what their lives are like. Another way that Zechariah says that we can live in the in-between, the the in-between times, is to practice justice. Again, this goes back to um, some things that were happening, is that if you, before the exile to Babylon, if you had the money and the means to defend yourself against somebody that did not have the money and the means to defend themselves, you were probably going to win. And that kind of sounds similar to to life now sometimes, doesn't it? When we talk about justice as followers of Jesus, it is justice based in who Jesus is. And when we practice justice, it means that we make sure that everybody has a right and fair chance. It means that we love people enough to make sure that their complaints are heard. We love people enough to make sure that when they're treated poorly, that their complaint gets heard. Justice doesn't mean necessarily that we have to make sure that everybody gets what they deserve punishment-wise. That there are wrongdoers that we will not be able, as followers of Jesus, to, to make up for their wrongdoing actions. There are wrongdoings that only God will be able to avenge. But when we practice justice, it goes hand in hand with telling the truth because justice means telling the truth about what we and our neighbors are going through in our lives. Zechariah encourages us to love one another. He says, don't scheme each other Stop your love of telling lies that you swear the truth. And that boils down to loving one another. If you love somebody, you're not going to scheme against them. If you love somebody, you're not going to tell lies about them. If you love somebody, you're going to be honest when you deal with them. 
and you're going to give them opportunities and love. Because if you love somebody, if you love your neighbor, then you're going to make sure that they've got the food that they need. If you love your neighbor, you're going to make sure that they've got a roof over their head. If you love your neighbor, you're going to make sure that when they go through times of crisis, they're not doing it alone. And then Zechariah also says, and it's a really interesting passage. It comes right after that, and he talks about the fasts. The fasts and times of mourning of early summer, midsummer, autumn, and winter. And these were, were fasts that had been set up to mourn the way things were. And he says, don't mourn the way things were. Celebrate what God is doing now. And if we as followers of Jesus are constantly mourning the way things were, the way things had been in the past, we lose vision for what God is doing in our midst right now. If you bring all of this together, the truth-telling, the justice, the love, the celebration, and if you put it all together, it gives us a picture of human flourishing, of people who are, being, who are able to live full lives because of what Jesus is doing in our midst. It gives a picture of people who are able to have food on their tables. It gives a picture of people who have a place to stay that is, that is safe and where they don't have to worry about bodily harm coming to them. It gives people the hope that through a, a loving and caring community that they can overcome addiction. It gives children the knowledge that they can go to bed at night and wake up to food the next morning and that they can go to bed at night without having to be subjected to hearing shouts and anger as they're trying to sleep. Because this is the vision that Zechariah lays out for God's people, and we are God's people. Our cities ought to look like places where Jesus' presence the acknowledgement of Jesus' presence, the acknowledgement of Jesus' lordship is ever-expanding. Our cities ought to look like places, ought to be being shaped into places little by little where truth and justice and peace and love and celebration happens. American author Kirk Vonnegut once said, what should young people do with their lives today? Many things, obviously. But the most daring is to create stable communities in which the terrible disease of loneliness can be cured. And I heard that quote a year and a half ago, and the Holy Spirit leapt in my heart because that is what Zechariah 8 is all about. It is about creating communities. It is acknowledging what God is doing in our cities and our neighborhoods and our blocks and our street and maybe not even any more than the space between our house and the house next door to us or in the space between the, the six feet of physical distance between me and the person in front of me at the grocery checkout line. Because if I can bring truth and justice and love and celebration through the acknowledgement of the Lordship of Christ into each of those spaces, then God can do the rest. Because where there is an acknowledgement of the Lordship of Christ, there's an acknowledgement of the presence of God reigning over his people, then humanity can flourish. There can truly be peace. And the world can truly be healed and transformed.
out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come brokenhearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, O sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. Oh, wanderer, come home, you're not too far. So lay down your hurt. Lay down your heart, come as you are. There's hope for the hopeless and all those who've strayed. Come sit at the table, come taste the grace. There's rest for the weary, rest that endures. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. Oh, wanderer, come home. You're not too so lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are, come as you are, fall in his arms, come as you are, there's joy for the morning. O oh, sinner, be still. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So lay down your burdens. Lay down your shame. All who are broken. We come now to the time of the Lord's table, and this is a table that is prepared for us by Jesus himself. It is the table where we meet Jesus and learn to discern Jesus' presence around this table so that we can discern Jesus' presence wherever we go. If you are someone for whom Jesus is Lord, you are welcome at this table. If you are somebody who has tried to be a person for whom Jesus is Lord, you are welcome at this table. The table of bread is now to be ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus identified himself. It is the table of communion with the earth in which Christ became incarnate. So come to this table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more, you who have been here often and you who have not been for a long time, you who have tried to follow Jesus 
and you who have failed, come. It is Christ who invites us to meet him here. If you are listening right now before 11.30 a.m. Pacific time on the 20th of September 2020 and would like to join us in a Zoom communion time to gather at the table via Zoom, um, please send an email to baptist.church at comcast.net and we'll be happy to send you the Zoom login information. Otherwise, you can follow along um, with our communion service here. We proclaim to you a mystery. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ is coming again. Let us pray. Loving God, through your goodness, we have this bread and cup to offer, which has come forth from the earth and which human hands have made. May we know your presence in the sharing so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries and shares with us now. Made one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Looking back at what Jesus did for us on the cross, taking on the burden of sin and evil in this world onto his own body and defeating it through his death, take this bread and eat. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Looking back at Christ's death on the cross and looking forward to taking this cup with him in the fullness of his kingdom, Take and drink. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray. Grant us, Lord, not to be anxious about earthly things, but to love things heavenly. And even now, while we are placed among things that are passing away, to hold fast to those that shall endure. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We thank you for joining us in worship this morning. We pray that as you have sung and prayed and heard God's word read and proclaimed, that you would have known the presence of Christ with you. If there's anything we can pray for you about, please let us know. And if by hearing about God's design for the world and for our cities and for our communities through the presence of Jesus Christ made real through his church, if that has made you curious about this life that Jesus calls us to, please send us an email or give us a phone call because we would love to help you set off on the way of living in the Lordship of Christ. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, for leading us in music today. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leaving, leading us in prayer this morning. 
I'd like to thank Katie Witham and the First Baptist of Oregon City readers for, uh, for leading us in the creative scripture reading. And I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making all of this sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands. Pray for Oregon.